In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. It happens a few times a year, sadly. We learn of Canadians who die while in the Caribbean. Mostly, they are on vacation. Often it is a tragic accident or sometimes a killing. A robbery gone wrong, maybe a wrong place at the wrong time. Today's story is not that, at least not according to what police have said. It is the story of a Canadian visionary who moved south to pursue his legacy and his passion, who became deeply entwined in his community through business and charity, and who was, allegedly, murdered. So who was Daniel Langlois? And why was his death such a loss to Canada, to Hollywood, to everyone who watches movies? What was he doing in Dominica? What do we know about the nature of his death? And what might we still find out? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Kenyon Wallace is an investigative reporter with the Toronto Star. Hello, Kenyon. Hello. Thank you for having me. You are most welcome. This is a strange story that I think nobody saw coming. It sure is. Very unexpected. You know, Daniel Langlois was a kind of a quiet millionaire who spent his money on charitable causes sort of from behind the scenes. And, uh, when he died, this was was shocking to a lot of people in the Canadian arts and uh, business communities who knew him and his contributions to the arts uh, in general. And as I mentioned in the intro, sadly, sometimes we hear about Canadians dying in the Caribbean uh, from a tragic accident or a robbery gone wrong. This is nothing like that. This is allegedly a, an entirely different beast. It is. Uh, from what we know anyway, again, details are at this point very scant. The local authorities in Dominica are keeping a lot of details close to their chest because the trial or even the preliminary hearing is not completed yet. And that's not even scheduled to be heard in its entirety until at least next March. So the details we have been able to get are just basically through um, what's been released officially and through good old uh, shoe leather reporting. Okay, well, first, help take us to where this happened. First of all, Dominica, where is it? What kind of place is it? And, and whereabouts in Dominica did this happen? Okay, so Dominica is is a little country. It's an island nation in the Caribbean. It's between Guadalupe in the north and Martinique in the south. And just on uh, on a broader context, that's that's basically... South of the British Virgin Islands, south of Puerto Rico, south of the Dominican Republic. So it's very far south and it's sort of isolated. It's a really small little little Commonwealth nation. And on that island, Daniel Lanois and his partner Dominique Marchand had set up a 
I guess you could call it an eco-hotel and resort in the very far south of the island, so almost on the coast. And this this eco-hotel and resort actually just opened uh, last October, and it was renowned for its environmentally friendly uh, setup in the sense that it, it was totally off-grid. It used water that was collected in cisterns, only a 14-suite hotel. So, I mean, this was not like your average Holiday Inn. We're talking about like a very high-end, fully sustainable, state-of-the-art, futuristic nature reserve resort type place. Uh, and they had been working on that for 15 years in, in the south of Dominica. And that's what their sort of passion project has been. And for those of us who aren't familiar, and you mentioned it uh, a tiny bit off the top there, uh, who are Daniel Langlois and uh, and his partner? Why did all of showbiz seemingly take an interest in this? Yeah, so Daniel Langlois, a lot of people have probably seen the special effects work that he created, but they've never heard his name. So if you've watched any, say, oh, big blockbuster movies such as Jurassic Park, Titanic, uh, the Harry Potter movies. I mean, I could go on. Name right. any kind of big blockbuster from the early to mid 90s that had uh, special effects in it or 3D computer generated special effects. And chances are Daniel Langlois' company or software uh, called Soft Image, founded in Quebec in Montreal, created the effects. So he um, got his start back in the mid 80s at the National Film Board. And he kind of got noticed because he created, in 1985, a short film called Tony de Peltry, which he co-directed. And it was a fully computer graphic movie. It's a six-minute movie. It's not long. Uh, of a pianist, an old barroom pianist, recalling his youthful days. And the movie is interesting in the sense that it was one of the very first, if not the first, 3D fully computer generated movies where they had very realistic facial expressions on this character Tony DePeltry in the movie and it had been unse- it had been unlike anything seen up to that point in the movie making industry and it kind of got him on the radar as a as a very promising sort of animator in 3D animation and based on that success of, of that movie he started a company again called Soft Image a 3D animation technology company in Montreal and um, had very early investors who had a lot of faith in him and they they raised some money to get him started. And to make a long story short, within about seven years, you know, his, his, his software was being used by major Hollywood studios and directors whenever they needed some really, you know, fancy 3D special effects. There's a great scene in Death Becomes Her. I don't know if our listeners remember that movie uh, starring Meryl Streep where there's a lot of interesting effects in that movie that at the time uh, were unseen and, and were, where people were like, how did, how did they do that? And there's a scene where Meryl Streep's head spins around on her body. And that was a very memorable scene from the movie. And that was, that was made using the software that uh, Daniel Langlois invented. Huh. And so, of course, the, the, the company, uh, you know, started to get a lot of notice and was being used by a lot of big Hollywood studios. and. In 92, it uh, began trading on NASDAQ. I mean, it became a very successful Canadian business story. And then, uh, you know, like a lot of companies that are sort of small, it got bought up by a larger behemoth. Microsoft bought it 
for about 130 million US estimated in 1994. And so, you know, Daniel Langlois became a millionaire and he then decided to turn his attention to sci- uh, scientific endeavors, but mainly those that involved charitable endeavors. So he set up a foundation called the Daniel Langlois Foundation. He was also a big backer of um, sort of up and coming avant-garde, sort of out, outside the mainstream filmmakers making experimental show movies. And he set up a cinema complex in Montreal to show these movies. That uh, complex was called Eccentris and became sort of a a hub for if you were kind of like a, a director looking for funding, but you weren't really mainstream, you could go there and, and get help with your film. While this is all going on, um, he's also developing a love for the country of Dominica, which he moved to in 1997 with his partner, Dominique Marchand. While there, they set up a charity to help the island recover from devastating Hurricane Maria, which uh, in September of 2017 destroyed a lot of the infrastructure on the island. So they put a lot of their money into uh, helping the island rebuild from that. And that was in addition to this um, eco-resort hotel that he and Marchand were working on over the years. So, you know, he had a very big impact in, in film and technology and, and a lot of the special effects that we see today in movies, but you probably wouldn't know his name, um, but you've definitely seen his software in action. That is an impressive legacy. Again, in the in wake of recent events, sort of had come to know him as uh, the Jurassic Park special effects guy. That's uh, woefully inadequate, I see. Oh, the, he was involved in so many different movies. I mean, if you've seen The Matrix, Men in Black those sort of groundbreaking special effects where people in theaters were like, how on earth did they do that? You know, that was Daniel Langlois' software. And so you can see why he made such a huge impact on the movie-making industry. And this is where we get to what happened, unfortunately, on, on December 1st. Can you, before we get to what we've learned since then, what do we know about what happened on that day? Right. Okay. So we don't know much. The police investigation in Dominica is still ongoing. What we do know is only that which the local authorities have decided to disclose. And I will just give a very brief summary of that. So what we know is that on December the 1st at 7 p.m. on the island, police there got a report of a potential homicide and arson in the southern part of the island. They went to where the call came in and they found a burned out SUV. And inside this burned out SUV were the badly burned bodies of, of two people. And using investigative techniques, um, the police say that they were able to identify the bodies as that of Langlois and his partner Marchand, which was just shocking uh, for the island because I, I want to make just maybe it's worth making this clear that this couple was beloved on the island. Mm-hmm. Like they were well-known. They had donated a lot of their money and time to fixing the infrastructure. As I said earlier, their resort was well-known and employed a lot of locals. And Daniel Langlois had been honored by the local government for his contributions to the island. So this was, you know, shocking for people who, who knew them and lived there. So they, the, the police found this car and, and the bodies, and they were able to, again, they won't say how, they were able to go to a nearby property and arrest three people. 
those people, one of them was uh, an American businessman named Jonathan Lehrer of New Jersey. Another man was arrested. His name is Robert Thomas Snyder Jr. of Florida, as well as Victoria Lehrer, Jonathan Lehrer's wife. She was also arrested. She has not been charged. And then they were taken into custody. What do we know about them? Do we know why they were on the island? Yes, we do. So we know why Jonathan Lehrer and his wife Victoria were there. Jonathan Lehrer and his wife run and own a chocolate plantation right next to the eco resort and hotel that Daniel Langlois and his partner ran. And that place was called the Bois Cotelette Estate, where tourists could go to learn how chocolate was made. I think they also grew coffee there. And they were basically neighbors in the southern part of the island. And for some reason, again, we don't know what those reasons are. Police had reason to suspect that there was something going on at that property. And they went there and they arrested the three people who were found there. The other person who was arrested, Robert Snyder, we don't know what he was doing there. Uh, He was not an owner of that of that chocolate estate. We don't know his connection to the other accused, Jonathan Lair, at least not at this point. And as far as we know, he had no connection to the victims either. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You mentioned that uh, the two men have been charged. What exactly have they been charged with, and what do police allege that they did? Yeah, so what we know is that Jonathan Lehrer and Robert Thomas Snyder Jr. of of both of the United States were charged with the murders of Langlois and Marchand. Again, details are very scarce, but those details we have been able to discover, including details covered by my colleague Sheila Wang, who is uh, who went down to Dominica to interview locals. They are charged with murdering this couple, and according to the police, there the couple was shot and then placed in the car, uh, which was then set on fire. They made a court appearance, and um, they are now awaiting the continuation of their preliminary hearing, which will not be until March of 2024. So that's all. We don't really know a lot, but but that's what we know to date. Do we have any idea about the relationship between these two parties or, or what might have been going on before the alleged murders? We do know that Jonathan Lehrer and Daniel Langlois had a conflict in the past. So I mentioned that Daniel Langlois and his partner, Dominique Marchand, own a resort hotel uh, in the southern part of Dominica, and that place is called Coulibri Ridge. I don't know if I'm saying that right, so if I'm saying it wrong, please forgive me. And there is a road that leads to that resort. And it's a public road. Now, this public road also cuts through the property owned by Jonathan Lehrer. That is the the owner of the Was Cotlet 
estate, that chocolate plantation I was mentioning earlier. And court documents that we found in Dominica show that Lehrer and uh, Langlois had been in a conflict over the use of this road. Apparently, and this is, this is just what the judge in, in the case uh, said in a ruling, that basically what happened was is that Jonathan Lehrer seemed to have not liked the use of this public road by the public going through his land hmm. and had attempted to block the road on numerous occasions by doing things like digging a trench across the road, putting boulders on it, placing equipment so you couldn't drive through the area. And of course, that was stopping guests and employees of the Coulibri Ridge Resort from getting to their place of work or relaxation. Huh. So Daniel Langlois had brought applications for injunctions in the Dominica courts to get Jonathan Lair to stop doing this. And based on just the court records, it seems like the relationship had, had just really deteriorated. And Langlois had to keep bringing these applications to the court to get uh, Lehrer to stop putting things onto the road and preventing people from getting there. And so in, in that case, the, the judge uh, ordered Jonathan Lehrer to stop blocking this public road, which is paid for by taxpayers. It's a public road. Anybody can use it and restore it to its uh, proper use. And he also ordered the parties to undertake mediation. Now, we don't know if Lehrer and Langlois ever did that. Uh, we don't know if there was ever any kind of resolution reached. All we know is that, um, you know, that this feud had sort of been going on for a while and that a judge had ordered Lehrer to stop blocking the road and ordered the two parties to to try to work out their differences. So what happens now, though? You know, there's been a court appearance and I guess uh, now we wait for the next one for a plea and then and then a trial and, and that's it. Are we going to find out anything more before then? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So. According to the local police, they are still investigating, like there's still things that they're looking at. So there may be developments to come. In terms of court dates, what we do know is that Lehrer and his alleged accomplice, Snyder, are scheduled to reappear in court in March of 2024 in Dominica for uh, their preliminary inquiry, which is essentially when the the prosecution determines whether there's enough evidence to proceed to trial. And um, in terms of when a trial would be, if, if in fact it does go to trial, I mean, that's anyone's guess. I don't, I'm not sure I can speculate on that. I don't know how busy the courts are down there. Right. But that's pretty much all we know at this point. The last thing I guess I'll ask then is just, you know, what's the reaction been in the showbiz industry, in Canada in general, I think a lot of people uh, like myself and probably a lot of our listeners are just learning over the past couple of weeks uh, about Daniel Langlois and, and how important he was. But uh, among the people who did know that already, how shocking is this? Very, very. I mean, from all accounts that I've heard, Daniel Langlois was a very nice man, a very generous man one of these humble geniuses who made his millions and then put it to work for good causes. Everyone I've talked to who knew him has said only good things about him and what a nice, generous, creative mind he was and how they just can't believe someone, you know, with such a big heart and such a vision in terms of his business, not only his business, but his, his, uh, his influence in terms of his charitable work 
you know, the last person you'd expect to be murdered. I spoke to uh, one of his very early investors, a man by the name of Loudon Owen, who in the mid 80s helped Daniel Langlois raise 350000 to get his company off the ground. And at the time, you know, 3D animation was like almost unheard of in Canada. It was, it was not an industry, put it that way. But Daniel Langlois had this vision and, and Owen told me that the faith they placed in him came from that sort of singular idea and vision that he had and his enthusiasm for seeing what could happen in the movie industry. And that's what, what you know, convinced him and his investors to, to go in on it. And of course, they all did very well in the end. So it turned out to be a very good investment. But we saw tributes coming in from all over the place, from Hollywood filmmakers, you know, Canadian Heritage Minister Pascal Saint-Ange, uh, she called him a visionary in digital technologies and paid tribute to him on on Twitter. Uh, we saw, you know, people who've worked with him in the industry over the years sing his praises. Just a, a guy who kind of saw where movie making was heading in terms of special effects and, the, and what computers could do. I mean, like, Loud Nolan said a really interesting thing to me, and that was, you know, anybody today could sit down at their laptop and using an, a, a free software probably or some kind of software, create 3D animation. Mm-hmm. You know, students are doing this in school these days. That is because of Daniel Langlois. That was not something that could ever have been done, you know, up until the mid 80s. And, right. and, and even those who could do it, there were very few of them. So we have a lot to thank him for, not just in terms of, you know, his, his contribution to movie making, but just in terms of the ability to, to creatively express ourselves using, you know, software we take for granted these days from our home computer to make, to make cartoons or make animation that was not always possible. And I think, I think people sometimes forget about that. And also, you know, his charitable endeavors. I mean, this is a guy who he received the Order of Canada. He was an officer of the Order of Canada. He was a Knight of the Order National du Québec. He had received numerous honorary doctorates and awards. So this, he was highly accomplished, a visionary. I kind of sort of liken him to like the Steve Jobs of 3D animation because he was sort of like the guy who saw where where it could go. Yeah. Like, just like Steve Jobs said, well, one day we're going to have you know, 20,000 songs on a device the size of your credit card. Like people were like, are you crazy? No way. That's not going to, that's not possible. And it, it happened. And same with Langlois, you know, I think he showed um, what was possible with, with computing power and, and the storytelling that you can do with, with what he created is just absolutely incredible. I mean, just watch, look at, look at the movies today. Like half of them are completely computer generated to start with these days. And, and that all stems from the kind of technology that Langlois uh, created. So I I feel the world has lost a, a very important uh, creative voice and particularly Canada, because, you know, you don't hear very often of world shattering technology, you know, coming out of out of Montreal. Sure. So I think a lot of people in Canada in particular were very proud of what he accomplished. And that, of course, just makes the whole situation even even more sad. Kenyon, thanks for this. Uh, thanks for the work you guys are doing. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a sad case. Perhaps at least uh, more Canadians are learning now just how much he meant. So thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Kenyon Wallace is following this case for the Toronto Star. 
That was The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. If you want to talk to us about absolutely anything, and believe me, if you sent us feedback this week, we've heard it. We listened to it. Now is the time of year when we reflect on our entire year. So it's a great time to let us know what you think. You can send that feedback by following us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN, by shooting an email to hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca, or by calling us and leaving a voicemail. That number is 416-935-5935. The Big Story is in every podcast player you can imagine. It is also... On every smart speaker, all you got to do is ask yours to play the Big Story podcast. At least, if you're in Canada when you do it. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well... It was meant to. We were on this mission together, and we were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.